The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hi, it's Lindsay Banks with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Our guest today is Terry White, CEO of the Charlotte Museum of History located on Shamrock Drive in East Charlotte. Terry became CEO in July of 2022. We're here to talk to her today about how it's been going, what her mission and goals are, and what we can expect to see at the museum in the future. Terry, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So before we start talking about the Charlotte Museum of History and your role as CEO, I wanted to look back a little bit. So could you tell us about your background and what brought you to Charlotte? Absolutely. So my museum career is sort of a sandwich of experience. I started in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum and worked there for a few years went home to my hometown of Pittsburgh, PA, and worked at a few museums there. And I realized I was hitting a glass ceiling where I wasn't getting the sort of promotional opportunities that I was looking for. So I took a pivot into the private sector and worked in supply chain technology, which it's a whole story as as to why that's interesting, but at least to me, but it makes sense if you hear the whole tale, I promise. So I came to Charlotte after I finished my MBA program to take a job with Lowe's and I went on to a whole Del Hayes and then American Tire Distributors and reached a point where I was good at what I was doing and I enjoyed my coworkers, but I didn't have that same passion that I had when I was in the museum space. So I said to my best friend, If a job opens up in the museum sector where I won't take too huge of a pay cut, I will absolutely apply and and try to get that passion back. And two weeks later, I see this job. It was like the stars all aligned. And I applied and, you know, the rest is history. Here I am. So you went to Howard University for undergrad. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. H.U. And then where did you go to grad school again? So my first graduate degree is from George Mason University. I have a master's in arts management. My second master's degree is an MBA from University of Pittsburgh. I have a graduate business certificate from University of Louisville, and I am currently a doctoral student in the Belt College of Business at UNC Charlotte. So can you tell us a little bit about the Charlotte Museum of History? And for people who have never been, what can they expect to see when they walk through the doors? Absolutely. So what we're most famous for are being the stewards of the oldest home in Mecklenburg County, the 1774 Rock House. It was the home of Hezekiah Alexander, one of North Carolina's prominent early figures in the state's history. But We currently, in 2023, sit on eight acres of land where the house, the 18th century kitchen, the 18th century spring house, and the 18th century barn are nestled in this beautiful wooded landscape. And then our physical museum space is a rotating series of exhibits that talk about history in Charlotte and the Piedmont region. So our most recent exhibit that we curated is captured in cartoons. It looks at how animation has informed people of the Charlotte region 
about local and national events over the last 200 years. And we recently partnered with Charlotte's AAPI community for a community curated exhibit that talks about the Asian history of Charlotte and the Piedmont region. There's been an Asian presence in this region for almost 200 years. And we felt that this was an awesome opportunity to allow this community to share with us how they view their history and how they have played a part in making the Queen City what it is today. So inside the museum building, just a rotating series of exhibits in our three different gallery spaces. We, we sometimes we work magic and make many exhibit spaces out of hallways. That's what we do. We are the sharers and keepers of Charlotte's history. How has it been going since you started in July of 2022? Oh my goodness. It is, <laughs> it is still a dream job and I still have to ask myself, am I really here? This is, it is so humbling and exciting to be in this position, especially in this day and age. I've always been someone who's loved history, but I also have always known I'm in the minority of people who just are fascinated to want to learn more. And in this role, I, I finally see myself in a position to work with my team and show people that history doesn't have to be stale. It doesn't have to be memorizing war dates and generals and battles. I mean, if you're into that, great. But there's so much more to history that people take for granted or just assume that everybody knows. And I love being able to show people how things that are very simple or taken for granted are also a part of the fabric of our history as a society, as a city, as a nation. It's really exciting. There are days where it feels like I've been here 20 years instead of almost a year. But then there are other days where I'm just blown away at how far the impact of the work that my team does reaches. Just came back from the American Alliance of Museums Conference in Denver, Colorado. There were, I'd, I'd have to say, at least 2,000 museum professionals from all over the world. And even they had heard of some of the work that we're doing here in Charlotte at Charlotte Museum of History. And it was, it was really mind-blowing to know that our small museum is being noticed by our peers around the world. And to me, that represents Charlotte at a you know, micro level, that Charlotte is this a small American town that is growing into this metropolis that is gaining world attention. And it's a very exciting place to be in, both as a municipality and as an organization. I remember you mentioning when we sat down when you first started that, you know, we were talking a little bit about some of your goals. And so I wanted to check in with you and see, you know, what you've accomplished so far and do you have any new goals? Absolutely. So I'll say that the goal was to connect with uh, Charlotte's communities overall. And to get started, because Rome was not built in a day, um, I wanted to focus on the AAPI community and the Hispanic Latin American communities, primarily because that is who our direct neighbors are here in East Charlotte. And we have a responsibility as an arts organization to reflect the people closest to us. So I would say that as far as that goal, I think we're doing a, a good start. There's, of course, always more to be done. But with the Hispanic and Latin American community, we are host to several Independence Day celebrations. We've had talks with Fiestas Patrias and North Sound Media. 
about how to expand our connection authentically with the community. And they've been very open and receptive to that. What I'll say for the AAPI community is, you know, at first there was this, you know, what are you talking about, lady? <laughs> kind of response. But I'll say that they, again, especially thanks to Dr. Chen at the Asian American Chamber of Commerce, have been super supportive once they, I think once they saw we were genuinely interested in hearing their perspective, not us telling them what they've done. We can put an exhibit up, but how about we work together and let this community curate their own exhibit and tell us what they want us to know about their unique cultures? Because what a lot of people forget is that the Asian community in Charlotte is not just one or two populations. There are over 20 Asian countries represented here in the Piedmont region. And each of them have space to talk about their their individual cultures, what makes them unique from everyone else, and how they've contributed to Charlotte. And while it's been very educational for us as a museum staff, because there have been stories and culture shared that we wouldn't have known to even ask for had we not let them tell their own stories for themselves. But I think there was also some community education and that people see how much work goes into putting up an exhibit. I think people have this misunderstanding that we just have to put stuff in cases and slap some stuff on the walls and boom, you have an exhibit. But when you think about visitor engagement, visitor experience, how do you explain your history in a way that the average person can understand? What does it cohesively look like? You know, once you start putting all those elements to it, I think it was helpful on their part to see oh yeah, this is a lot more work than you thought it was going to be. So it, I, I think that's a good thing though, so that people can really understand the business of how museums operate. You know, we're not these, well, at least Charlotte Museum of History is not a wealthy, just money hoarding organization that puts out a few paintings. We really are engaging with folks and earning every dime that we do from admission, sales, et cetera, et cetera. So as far as that goal, I think we're doing pretty well. Goals that I have since then uh, to continue expanding upon our relationship with the African-American community and finding new ways to talk about the colonial history that we've always been known for. Colonial American history can be sort of polarizing. You either really, really love it or really feel disconnected from it. And just like everything else, there's a way to present the information that's factual, but also inclusive. And I think that that is something that we're working towards moving forward. I would also say, you know, when, when you talk about the business of museums, the, the fun, sexy part is, of course, the exhibits, the programs, and that is what I love. But to continue to build upon our financial stability as an organization, we are above budget in admissions, field trips, private rentals, everything where we earn income, we are actually above where we projected we were going to be. And that does not mean we are wealthy by any means. It allows us to do things like repair the freight elevator so that we can bring even more exciting exhibits here to give our staff health insurance, you know, things that most people take for granted at their corporate roles. So, 
really working on making sure that financially the institution is strong and continues to grow stronger. I'd say beyond that, my final upcoming goal would be to just continue to develop my team and to really strong museum professionals. Out of the eight of us on the team, eight including myself, four of my team are Gen Z. And for some of them, this is their first professional job out of school. And while that's exciting, and they have all kinds of new ideas and way of of presenting things and looking at things that even I as an elder millennial don't think about, there is still that professional development that needs to take place. And for me, that is incredibly important when we talk about the museum maturing and growing. If you have an immature team in that they just don't have the experience, you can't really sustain the sorts of exhibits and programs that we have coming down the pipeline. One question I wanted to ask, a lot of people don't know how much time goes into building an exhibit and creating one. So how long does a typical exhibit take from start to finish? A year is cutting it close. So we are already planning exhibits as far out as 2028. A lot of that depends on, one, what artifacts and items are going to be included. And if you don't already own those items, who are you going to borrow them from? So we have an exhibit about the National Negro Opera Company, whose founder is from the Piedmont region. The original costumes from this group are owned by a museum in Pittsburgh. So we've been coordinating with them for months now on how can we borrow these items? What are the stipulations upon us receiving them? How do they need to be displayed? You know, what sort of legal insurance paperwork needs to be in place, et cetera, et cetera as well as all the images of this organization are owned by another museum in Pennsylvania. So coordinating with them on copyrights and making sure that they understand we're, we're not trying to, you know, make mega millions off of these images. We just want to incorporate them in the exhibit to make it more dynamic, as well as programs and other documents and items which are owned by institutions in D.C. All of that takes coordination and time because it's, the nonprofit world moves slowly, but especially in the business of history, there's just a slower pace. And then when you think about exhibit design, exhibit build out, we don't have an in-house team that can do the physical labor of one, using graphic design at an elevated level to make the space look nice, because there's nothing worse than walking into a room and you're like, what in the world did they do here? But also fabricating cases and cool interactives, getting footage for those interactives. All of that takes a a really long time to coordinate and more importantly, pay for. So a year is generous. Most museums you'll see, even the wealthier museums, you'll see that they take 18 months to two or three years out to really plan large-scale exhibits to make them as aesthetically pleasing and educational as possible. How is the museum funded? So currently we are fully funded through private donations, corporate sponsorships, and the revenue that we bring in through admissions, membership, private events. We do have an ABC license. So when we sell alcohol at our events, we do earn revenue from that. But we are one of the institutions that we don't get infusion funds. We don't really get a lot of 
government money, be it city, county, or state, will get grants, but we don't have very many public funds, if any, that are earmarked just for Charlotte Museum of History. And that is a struggle that we, you know, we're trying to get in the good graces of those who make those decisions. But currently, those private donations are really how we're keeping the lights on and making sure that people can pay their rent. So I know when you first started, you were working on a project. You were in the process of relocating the Salome School, which to our listeners, if you don't know, that's an African-American schoolhouse that was built in Mecklenburg County back in the 1920s, which was the Rosenwald era. So where are you in the process of relocating it to the museum's campus? Amen. Like, let me tell you, (laughs) no one is more excited to get this school moved than me. I promise you. We have three dates in mind. It's a matter of getting the permits and approvals, but it will be this summer, 2023. It'll be moved. It will not be restored. That'll be another 18 to 24 months. But we were really excited. Once we have the date confirmed, we're going to work on a program, find a way for people to come and see the move from a safe distance. We don't want them to be hurt or hurt the school building itself. But but we're really excited. This has been a project that even predates me. And to physically see the school move, I think this is just proof to the community that when Charlotte Museum of History says we're going to do something, we, we follow through and we are good stewards of our resources and of sharing the stories of our community. Can you remind me, where is it located right now as we speak? So it is in the Mallard Creek area. If you're driving, it's maybe 10, 15 minutes away from where we are physically. We don't really give out the exact address because unfortunately, when you do, people like to go and leave their mark. And when it is relocated, it will go, if you're looking at the museum directly in the front, it will be on your the right-hand side. We're going to make a little plaza with some gardens and historically accurate flower beds and things like that that would have been outside of the school, and it'll go there on the right. You know, there are a lot of people in Charlotte that were born and raised here and moved here 20, 30, 40 years ago. But there are also a lot of people that are just now moving to Charlotte. And I know myself, I haven't even been here a year yet. And I know you probably have not been here long either. And so I was just kind of wondering, what does the Charlotte Museum of History do to reach out to newcomers? And why should they care about Charlotte's rich history? Well, I'll answer the second question first. I think it's important that if you move to any city, be it Charlotte or somewhere else, that you understand what those people who are from there have done to advocate for themselves and to make the city into a place where you've decided to relocate yourself in the first place. I think that's just a basic respect that all people should have to understand where you're moving to and not assume that because you're new that you have all the answers. I, I think that that should go universally across the board. And museums are an awesome way to help bring that knowledge about. I'd also say local community organizations and your local libraries. Uh, I, I think it's just important to understand how the city got to the point where you decided to show up. <laughs> so that's part one. As far as what we do here at Charlotte Museum of History, I think the the very basic level is have things like our exhibits and programs that really highlight local history. 
and not in a way that makes it seem like we're going to sign you up for the SATs the next day, but in a way that shows how it matters to you today. So when you look at the science exhibit, yes, aesthetically, it's really cool. It's really awesome. You get to learn about some businesses. But then if you really sit and read what's going on in these panels here, it talks about how development has occurred throughout Charlotte over time. Why don't we have more 1774 buildings? How has that positively helped the city? And how has that negatively impacted the city? And those can help people who are coming here. They'll become voting members of society. They'll be a part of policy decisions. They'll really be people helping to shape the future of the city. I think that sort of context can help people fully understand why things are the way they are and what ways they can move forward. So institutions like museums, specifically Charlotte Museum of History, are the way to provide that context for people. I've been to the museum a few times now, and one thing I love about it is that it's constantly changing. So, you know, every time you go, it's different. There's new exhibits, which you mentioned earlier. So it's not just like a one and done. It's not like, oh, I've been there once. You know, I don't have to go back. That's absolutely not the case. So you've talked a little bit about future exhibits. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So the Charlotte Hornets 35th anniversary exhibit, Hive at 35, will open October of this year, just in time for the season to start. And it's really looking at 35 years of the team's history. As a museum, we're going to go a little bit pre-Hornets and talk about the Carolina Cougars and how this basketball-loving state, how that has played out here in the Piedmont region to get to the point where the city decided, you know, all right, we're, it's time for us to have an NBA team. How has that impacted the city? How has this team grown over time? You know, there's the sad part where it went away for a little bit, but came back. And what does it mean for the culture of Charlotte to have this strong brand identity with this athletic team? And what have they done for the community? And there's all sorts of really cool tendential information that we're getting around that. So we're, we're really excited to work with them. And, you know, Carolina Panthers, you know, you guys are next. So I was going to ask about that because I remember you mentioning that you wanted to do an exhibit for their 30th, I believe, anniversary in 2025. And you said they hadn't answered any of your calls yet. Well, to be fair, I have not reached back out, but hopefully we'll have a little more time there. But right now we're really focused on the Hornets and, and very excited to do that. And hopefully this will show not just, you know, the Panthers, but Charlotte as a whole, that history can be just as fun as exciting because who doesn't love a good sports game where you have all this energy? There is a whole history and culture to athletics and American history. And Charlotte has a strong connection to that larger American identity. So if, you know, I'm very honored that we're the institution that gets to sort sort of uh, collect that and present it to the people. Beyond that, we have two other exhibits that we're working on. One is an exhibit about the National Negro Opera Company. It was the largest and most successful Black opera company in America. It was founded in Pittsburgh in 1941. So I grew up with this story. But the founder is from Madison, North Carolina, about an hour and some change north of Charlotte. So she's our Piedmont sister. And because of 
society at the time, she never had the opportunity to perform or bring her company here to the South. And we're looking at this exhibit. It's a partnership with five or six other national organizations, but locally, it is a direct partnership with Opera Carolina in honor of their 75th anniversary to, yes, tell this important historic story of this organization that not only broke racial barriers, but also cultural barriers to let people know opera is not this highbrow elitist art form, that it really is for everyone, but also that you can be from rural North Carolina and have massive impact on society. You don't have to be from New York or Atlanta or LA. You can be from, you know, just a small town and still be just as important to the culture as anyone else. And we think that's important because a lot of times people focus on the cities of North Carolina and most of the state is rural. And those people have histories and stories that are just as valid and important as the people who grew up within larger city limits. So we're really excited to tell that story and also telling a, a a smaller exhibit, not quite as large as the opera exhibit, about the medical history of Charlotte. And, you know, we have this medical school coming and there's the story of Annie Alexander, the first woman doctor and in, in North Carolina and all that. But really talking about how has medicine advanced within the Piedmont region from early days with the Catawba through now with this school coming. So again, reminding people that decisions that happen today are made upon context and and information from generations of information before them. So really excited about those three larger exhibits that are coming. And is that this year that they're coming or is it still a little ways out for those last two you were talking about? So opera will be February, 2024. And medical, we don't have an exact date on that, but it'll likely be summer 24. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to checking those out. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about and share with our listeners? Well, one, just to, first of all, thank the community as a whole for embracing me in this position, but more importantly, embracing my institution as we go through this, you know, new strategic change. We are really working hard and very excited about all of the things that we're doing here. And we're just happy that other people are noticing and not just noticing, but enjoying them. So nothing would be worse than we do all these fun things and everyone looks at us and says, that sucks. So we're happy that you guys are excited about the things we're doing. It really, really, truly inspires and keeps us moving each and every day. Finally, I would just say, come visit us. We're out here, Shamrock Drive. There's a bus stop right in front of the museum. We have free parking. We would love to welcome you. We have programs and events every month this calendar, the rest of this calendar year. So just come see us. We'd be happy to have you. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. It was wonderful speaking with you. Absolutely. Thank you. That's a wrap. To our listeners, thanks for listening. You can learn more about the Charlotte Museum of History and plan your visit by going to charlottemuseum.org. And you can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Queen City Podcast Network.